So we're going to turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 8 onwards. Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Praise be to God. Luke chapter 15, verse 8 onwards. We're only going to read three verses here. Verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Praise be to God. The focus here is seeking. Many things in many people's lives might have been lost, gone. But God says here, It can be found. It can be redeemed. It can be brought back to life. Provided. We diligently seek. Diligently seeking means seeking until we find it. God has spoken about this before. We should have recordings on this and um, you can just go back and listen to whichever day this message was given Um, but today the spirit of God wants to speak to us about not just seeking seeking diligently diligently seeking what is the time frame for that Until you find it. Going after God. Diligently. Until you. Find it. Now. Seeking diligently doesn't mean that. Well. I go 50 times a day. And I go 100 times a day. And I go and say something. And once I'm said. I've done my chore. And I go back. No. Diligently seeking. Means. We have faith, and that's why we're going diligently. Emphasis is diligently. It's not just seeking, but diligently seeking. That means putting your heart and soul into recovering, getting back, going after that which is lost. Think about it. How much effort, how diligent are you in going after that which is lost, whatever it may be in a life. It could be a family member. It could be something in your own life. Whatever it might be, God says, it is recoverable. You can recover it. It can be restored. You can find it. What if you don't seek diligently? What if? You don't seek diligently. If you don't seek diligently, what you've lost will be lost for good. If you don't seek diligently, God's promises won't magically be fulfilled. If you don't seek diligently, what needs to be restored will not be restored. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking at this hour. 
seeking and seeking diligently are two different things. There are people who say, okay, I'm looking. And they look here, look there. And then they'll say, well, I'm busy. I got to go and take care of other things and they'll go. They are the ones who will not find it. But then there are others who will seek diligently. That means they will not go anywhere until they find it. Their focus is that which is lost. They say, I can't live without this. That's what seeking diligently means. I cannot live without this. I cannot be without this. I need this. If you have five pairs of glasses and you lose one, you'll go for the next one. You're not going to be keen on looking for it. You'll look here and there and then you find something else and you go with it. But if it's your car keys and that's the only one you have, you don't have the spare keys. Now, you are not going to be sitting around and talking with people and doing other things. And you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to go to the store. You're going to look for it if you want to get it. And there are people who are careless who say, well, I lost my keys and, you know, I'm going to go and party and get a cab and go around and waste money. And after the money is gone, they'll sit and say, I need to look for my keys. And then they'll look around and then they won't find it because they haven't looked for it diligently. They'll call this friend and that friend and see if they can borrow here, borrow there and go get a cab and go again. The Spirit of God is speaking at this hour. Diligently means to go after it with a single heart and with a single mind. Not be scattered. Those who are scattered in their pursuit of that which is lost, will not find it. This is what God is speaking to us today. As we are coming towards the end of the 10th month, there are many things God has spoken, many things God has fulfilled. Many things in many people's lives are yet to be fulfilled. But the point here that the Spirit of God wants to drive home tonight is, how diligent are you? How diligent are you in seeking that which is lost? How diligent are you? Are you looking for that which is lost the way you should? Jesus says this over here. This woman had ten silver coins, but she loses one. It's not like having dollar coins and you lose one coin and you're just sitting and saying, oh, I need to find that dollar. Or you lost a penny and you're looking for it. No. This is something that's very important to that woman. She's supposed to have all those ten. She just can't be with nine. And what is she doing? She lights a lamp and sweeps the house. Not only that, she looks for it diligently in every place how long until she finds it there are people who pray today after hearing this message oh god i need to get done oh lord do this and i need my family member to be saved and this person to be saved or i need you know healing here or there whatever and then two days and three days and after that their focus is all scattered they're all over then what happens? Whatever lost is lost. It's not going to be found. Whatever you are looking to God from, for God to recover, you have to be focused. You need to be diligent. You have to be diligently seeking. That means you're going to say, I'm not going to let anything else come and rob what I should be doing, which is going after this one thing. Until I find it, I'm not going to rest 
God says this in his word. Don't give God rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise. And David says, I will not give my eyes rest or my eyelids rest until I do the will of God. What God wanted him to do. There's this determination we see in those who recover what they have lost. And also there's a drive that comes from heaven where God says that don't give me rest. There's a responsibility that God gives. This woman that Jesus brings as an illustration here, a parable, where he says that, yes, loss happens. But when it happens, how to recover it is what the Spirit of God is speaking here. The force that one must have in order to go after that which is lost is essential, necessary, in order to gain back or regain the very thing that was lost. Now, because she looked everywhere, because she used her lamp, she's doing things that were not there before. She's doing something extra, which is lighting a lamp. You know, she could have had lamp in some part of the room, but she needs an extra lamp that she must have in her hand to take it with her wherever she goes to search in every place. Under here, under there, up there, wherever it is. What we need to do in order to recover that which is lost is solely up to us. If we want to see the kingdom of God established in our lives and our families, if we want to see the mighty hand of God move like never before, we need to press in. We need to press in. You just can't say, well, I'm just going to pray and say, Lord, somehow get me my lost coin in Jesus' name and then and then not look for it, not diligently look for it. Look here and look there and say, maybe it's not God's will. Maybe it's lost and, you know, maybe I won't have it and maybe someone will bring it and somehow I'll get it. And these are all excuses for not doing what you're supposed to do. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Be diligent. Are you looking to recover something that's lost? Are you looking to recover something that's gone? Are you looking to get back something that's dead? Are you? Are you really looking for that dead thing to be brought back to life? Are you really looking for that which is gone to be restored by God? Are you looking? Are you earnestly looking? Because if you're earnestly looking, your actions will show to what extent you are chasing after it. To what extent you are seeking for it. She sought diligently until she found it. It's not that she sought diligently and then she sought. No. Every place, she just kept going and going and going and going and going until she found it. You know, when someone really pours their everything into recovering something, they can't contain their joy. They're going to tell everyone. They're going to tell everyone. And Jesus says this so beautifully here. All the things that were used to recover. Lamp was used. Broom was used. And she diligently sought. And she sought until she found. And she found. Now she's telling everyone. See, these are the qualities that the Spirit of God will look for in order to perform anything. Substantial, supernatural. How diligent are you in seeking that which is lost? And if you really put your heart and soul into it, 
drill it one after it. And if it is that important to it, then you're going to run around, tell everyone that this has been recovered. You cannot hide it. You cannot keep it. You cannot hold it back. Rejoice with me for I have found the kind that has been lost. Rejoice with me. What happened? That which was gone has been given back to me. That which is lost has been found. See, our actions, our reactions must mirror heaven. When this happens, God says here, the angels of God, they all have a party. They all rejoice. When? When that which is lost is genuinely found. When that which is gone is genuinely received back. Not only will we have the joy. Can we keep the joy to ourselves? That's not real joy then. If it is true joy, we'll want to shout it out to the whole world. When? As soon as we find it. We can't contain it. And what happens? God says, this is how heaven reacts. This is how God reacts. When one sinner repents, the angels of God, they rejoice. Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because someone who has lost, they have been restored. How did this happen? Someone was diligent. They sought until they found it. See, when it's something that's important and it's precious, when it's priceless and you really value it, now that you've gone after it, it may look like it's taking time. Jesus never said that, well, uh, the first attempt and the second attempt or the third attempt, you will find it. No. That's where perseverance comes into play. That's where the inner strength comes. We can't have that inner strength unless we receive it from one high. Willpower can only go so far. We need God's power. Because Satan will do everything to break that willpower. We need God's power. God's power comes. And when you can't go anymore, God's power will move you forward. If you diligently seek, seek him and go after that which is lost. This is where many people miss out. The focus is off. They'll pray and then they'll get distracted. Ten things, ten different things. Over here, over there, over here, over there, over here, over there. And say, Lord, you know everything. And I prayed for it yesterday and I prayed today. And I still didn't find it, Lord. But I know, you know, your timing is different and somehow you'll give it. These are all excuses from the pit of hell. It'll keep you from not getting what you've lost. God is speaking to us today. It is high time to truly go to the presence of God. And see, how diligent am I in going after that which has been taken away from me? That which I have forfeited. That which is lost. If that needs to be recovered, how much effort am I making? How diligent am I? And am I continuously focused on that? Or am I scattered all over? I want you to keep your hand on this passage. And the Spirit of the Lord wants me to move to another passage here. Well, let's go to Second Samuel chapter 23. It's interesting how, how the Spirit of the Lord speaks 
both the verses that God wants me to go to begins from verse 8. Second Samuel chapter 23. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashabam, the Hakmanite, who was leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. See, God has recorded this in his book of all books on earth so that you and I can read and until Jesus returns all those who read the Bible can read the people that God worked through their names have been written and what they've done have been documented here David was an anointed king who served God. And under him, there were mighty men that God gave David, who stood with David to guard the nation of God. So you see here from verse 8, those people's names are documented here. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. So, there were many warriors there that David had. But there were people God saw to be worthy of putting their names here in Second Samuel chapter 23. So it's very important for us to look at it as the Spirit of the Lord has brought to us this night. Who are these people? How did they get their names here? And what did they do? Well, they obviously did extraordinary things. So when people come and say, well, everybody's equal and everybody's the same thing. And, and, uh, you know, he does different, she does different, they do different and everybody has different things. Well, everybody does different things, but with what God has given, who does with all their might and who does it? When no one else will do it. And what is the result of it? Is what God is looking for. A lot of people lose things. But how many of them are diligent enough to find it? Not say, well, I will find it when I have time. Then it's not a priority. Now is the time. So the people here that God has found worthy among all the warriors to to put their names here is what we're going to look at this night briefly for a few minutes. The first was Jashabam, the Hakmanite, who was the leader of the three. What three? The three mightiest warriors among David's men. So among all the men that God gave to fight, there were three outstanding warriors. And among the three outstanding warrior warriors, you have one who stood the tallest among the three. Praise God for such people. Praise God, because these are the right hands that God places for his servants in his kingdom. The first was Joshabam, the Hakmonite, who was leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. What did he do? He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Think about this. The extraordinary strength he had, the extraordinary skill he had, and the extraordinary tenacity he had. To kill 800 
enemy warriors in a single battle using his spear. Think about that. How can one accomplish something like this and get to this rank before God and man during his lifetime? God was with him. God was with this man, this number one man. God gave to David a diligent man. A diligent man. A man who was faithful. A man who was dependable. A man who was trustworthy. A man who was ready to lay down his life. That's the key principle here. When all these enemy warriors came, he just didn't abandon. He just didn't run and say, well, let me run for my life, my wife and my kids and my parents and my family. And I got to go. I need to think about my own stuff and I have to think about my own life. No. One person who knew how to use a spear and who had the power of the Lord God Almighty upon him as he used a spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. David had many warriors. The Holy Spirit is speaking at this hour. Many, many warriors. One man could accomplish such mighty things. And he became the top officer in God's army, in God's nation under David. Next in rank among the three was Eliezer, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoa. Once Eliezer and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. You know, see how God sees this so important to document this over here? He just didn't say, well, God was with David and God gave David mighty victory and Israel won. No. Very clearly, God documents here how this happened. Dependable warriors of God. God said, I got to put their names down. I'm going to give this chapter, Second Samuel chapter 23, in the book of all books, for mankind to read in every generation until this world comes to an end. I believe heaven has a copy of this Bible there too. So it's into all eternity. This is God's word. can never be destroyed. It can never come to an end. It stands forever. And these men, their names are there. Not only in heaven, on earth too. Where? In some hall of fame here? Only a, a little bunch of people will know. Nobody will even go to the uh, gravesite after some time. Even their own great 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 grandchildren won't even know who they are. But these men are worthy before God for what they did for God because God did through them because they were with God. They had such extraordinary powers that God said, I'm going to put your name here in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Hallelujah. Worthy of praise. Praise worthy men of God. I love them. I like to see them when I go to heaven. Praise worthy men of God. Praise be to God. What did he do? Let's read this. I want to read verse 9 again before we go to verse 10. Next in rank among the three was Eliezer, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahovah. Once Eliezer and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. Think about it. The Philistines came... 
And these are the people who are supposed to be standing with David and fighting. But when the Philistines army came, something came upon the people of Israel. What came? Fear came. How did fear come? Can you see a similar circumstance documented in the Bible? Right when Moses brought the children to the Red Sea and they were supposed to cross over and God had already promised them saying that he was going to take them to Canaan and there they all wanted to go back to Egypt. David is here. The entire Israelite army, who is the commander of this army? Ultimately, God. They had no faith. They were full of fear. They said, oh boy, we can't stand here. And they all left David and all of them ran. The entire Israelite army had fled, gone. But Eliezer stood with David. He stood together with David. And what did he do? What did this man do, Eliezer? He killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. What did he do? He killed the Philistines. He continued and continued and continued and continued and continued until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. King James, the new King James will say that his, his hand stuck to the sword. He did not give up. He didn't flee like the other people. Through David and through this one man, only those two people were fighting against the entire Philistine army. The Lord gave him a great victory that day. Two people against the entire army. This Eliezer stood with David. When everybody went, while David was fighting, he also fought. And he went against the Philistine army alone, killing them while David was fighting. The whole bunch of people, and he is fighting. The rest of the Israelite army ran. Nobody was there. He didn't say, well, everybody ran. I'm going to run too. No. His heart was loyal towards God. And what did God do? He gave him a mighty victory. The Lord gave him a great victory that day. A hero in God's eyes. A hero in the king's eyes. A hero in David's eyes. A hero in heaven's eyes. A hero in my eyes. A hero in all those who would read this section, their eyes. Noteworthy man. Praiseworthy man. Praise be to God. What did he do? He was diligent in what was given to him. He didn't back off. He was not scattered. Oh, everybody left. I'm going to run too. No. He saw his king there. He said, I will stand with David. David is fighting there. I'm going to be with him. Doesn't matter. I'm not going to run back like the rest of the people. God said, I'm going to put your name here, Eliezer. Second Samuel 23 is for you, Eliezer. I'm going to put your name here. Hallelujah. God honored him. God honored him. Was someone who stood with God, stood with the servant of God who fought. God honored him. The Bible says here, the rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. Shame on all of them. When did they come back? Once David and Eliezer fought the battle and won, the rest of them all came to collect the plunder. Many Christians are like that. You look at Job's life, you will see. During Job's suffering, you won't see 
his brothers, his sisters, no trace of them. And once Job was blessed and God blessed him double fold, you see his brothers coming, his sisters coming, they're all coming and bringing gifts. Where were they? Where were they when he suffered alone? Many people are like that. When the plunderer comes, they'll come running. But when suffering comes, they run back. God is looking for people who will be diligent. Diligent seekers and people who will accomplish what God wants them to accomplish without looking back. Without giving excuses, my hand hurts, my leg hurts, my foot hurts, my eye hurts, my nose hurts, my head hurts, and everything hurts. But you see, when the heart is steadfast in the ways of the Lord, through all of it, the power of God comes through. Eliezer, he fought and he fought and he fought. Who gave him that power? His hand hurt, yeah. Not any little hurt. To the point that his hand stuck to the sword. That's how he fought. Think about it. How much he would have pushed himself. And with every push of his, the force of heaven came upon him. He was a diligent seeker. He said, I'm going to not let this Philistine take over my land. He didn't say, well, I don't care. I got to go take care of my family. I don't care. I got to take care of my things. No. He said, I'm not going to let this Philistine take over my land. I'm not going to desert my king and go back. I'm not going to bring shame to my God. Even if all of them left, I will not do that. And God said, I'll be with you. If all of them would have gone, God would have given the entire victory through David. God would have brought it. And Eliezer's name wouldn't have been here. But Eliezer was a loyal man of God. He didn't look for his name. He would have, he wouldn't have had any clue that God was going to put his name here. No clue. The people who don't look for anything are the ones God will honor them. A praiseworthy man of God. God gave him Great victory that day because God said, you're worthy of me partnering with you. Your heart is right. Your motive is right. Your spirit is right. You're willing to die here for my people. You're willing to die here with your king. You're willing to die here for my glory. I'll give these people into your hands. Next in rank was Shama, son of Agi from Harar. One time, the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shama held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Look at this guy. Praiseworthy man of God. And you see the people of Israel again leaving the battle scene. They all say, we're all going to run. Run for our lives. No faith. Little faith. They had a little bit of faith to come to the battlefield. But when they saw the enemy, they said, well, I'm running. I don't want to be part of this army. I'm going back. But you have this one man who is full of the spirit of God, man of faith who held his ground, diligent. He was diligent until his mission was accomplished. Jesus talks about this through this parable. He said, are you diligent? Are you diligent enough to get what you need to get and go after it until you get it? Verse 13. Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three who were among the 30, an elite group among David's fighting men, 
went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to this man, to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this. He exclaimed, this water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. To what extent God goes to document all these things? To what detail? It's important to God. Very important to God. God says, look at these three men. When David was thirsty and he wanted water. These three men said, I'm going to get it. By the well. Just by the gate in Bethlehem. And they risked their lives. And they ran. People. Were focused. Who did not let anything stop them. People were loyal trustworthy people of God. People who knew how to stand with God. People who knew how to bring victory to the people of God. People who knew how to stand with the king that God had given. How to hear and how to be there and not back off or back down. Abishai son of Zeruah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. What did he do? What did Abishai do? He was another man who used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Another man who said, I'm willing to lay down my life. And he did not retreat. He said, I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. Until we win. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which including killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30. You see here how God is listing these things in his word in Second Samuel chapter 23. There's a place God is giving for people who are faithful and people who go forward without looking back, people who have the faith to stand their ground and fight until the battle is over. They said, I'll fight to the very end. As a song that the Lord gave us goes, I'll fight to the very end for I'm a warrior. The end is what? Victory. Our end is always victory. Those who stand with God and fight to the very end, their fight will end in a mighty victory. There's no defeat to God's people because God gives us the victory over all our enemies all the time. One guy stood with David. See how many people he killed. 
God gave him victory over all the Philistines that he fought over. How can someone fight until the sword actually gets stuck to their hands? It's the power of God. Power of God. For his body, even though the body is getting tired, there's a push, there's a heaven's push that comes, keeps them going until the battle was won. Hallelujah. Until the battle was won. It takes character. God's character. Faith. God's power. These are men of God. Mighty men of God. God has put their names here. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. These are people, God said, I'm going to put their names down. Now, from 24 onwards, the other members of the 30 are included. God found them worthy to have their names in the Bible. He takes the time to put that down. Because those were mighty people of God. Faithful men of God. Through whom God worked to bring victory for Israel. God is looking at you today. And God is asking this question. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? Where do you stand in all of this? Our labor in the Lord is never in vain. When we stand with him. When we stand with him. When we do what he wants us to do. When he calls us to fight. When we take it seriously. When we are there, when the king is there. When we are there, God is there. All the children of Israel, they all ran. Leaving who? David there. Leaving God there. God is the one who's leading the battle and David is following God and he's going. Every time David had to go for war, he would, he would ask God, consult with God. He'll call the priest and he'll ask them, should I go or should I not go? And following God's direction, David goes. And you have an entire army, faithless generation, bearing God's name. They all come saying that, okay, we're coming to fight. Their own strength. No power from on high, no dependency on God, and no faith to receive anything. What they do? They deserted God, deserted David, who was with God. And as we see in the Bible, Gideon's sword and David's sword. God's sword. They're all one and the same. And Moses stretched out his hands to part the Red Sea. God told Moses, stretch out your hand and part the Red Sea. The Bible also says, at the breath of his mouth, the seas fled. So there's this tremendous, tremendous supernatural connection that is there. Moses' hand to God's mouth. The anointing of God. It's one and the same. just leaving and just running saying that we're all going to die is actually putting down God. It's worse than what Goliath said. Worse than what a heathen would say. And God's people just run saying that all, oh, how long? This battle is getting intense and you know what? It's not going to happen and we're just going to go. God is speaking to our today. God sees everything. God looks at our sincerity. God looks at our hearts. He looks at the depths of our hearts. How are you going to recover that which is lost, that which is taken, that which is stolen? You're so weak-hearted, faint-hearted, so scattered, not even knowing that God Almighty is standing in the battlefield. Not knowing that it's God gives us strength 
to fight. He's with that hand. He's with that sword. But you know what? It hurts, but you keep fighting. Most of the people ran back. Picture that battle scene. There's two people standing representing Israel. Against the host of Philistines. All of them ran. Think how the Philistines would have felt. Empowered. They would have thought, easy. This easy job. Just kill David and kill this guy. And it's over for us. Oh. God was with David. God was there with Abishai. God was there with Eliezer. God was there with Shammah. God was there with Jashabon. God was there with all these mighty men of God. Ultimately, God was there with David. Even if everyone would leave, David knew the God who strengthened him at Ziklag. And all these men turned against him and wanted to stone him. The very people who said, we'll be with you. The very people David helped. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And David went. He recovered everything and much more. God is speaking to you at this hour. Many, many times we would have sang, Though none go with me, yet will I follow. No turning back. But in your day-to-day life and in the battles that you face, how faithful are you? How diligent are you? How diligent are you in seeking? After that which is lost. How diligent are you in fighting against that which wants to take that which belongs to you? How diligent are you? God is looking at everything. God is seeing everything. He's seeing who is really fighting, who is really not. Who are all those who are just running back? He says those who just stand and fight. These are the worthy people that I will stand with. And they become the noteworthy people. These are people who really laid down their lives. They never thought that, well, I'll have my name inscribed here and the king will give me this. No. Their hearts were loyal towards God. Their hearts were loyal towards David, that God had placed over them. Their hearts were loyal towards the land of God that God had given Therefore, God stood with them. Because through and through, they were sincere. Through and through, they were diligent. These are the people God will say. Praiseworthy people. Praiseworthy people. The eyes of God. God will say, I'll use you to do mighty things. Because you laid down your life. Because you laid down your life. Because you knew, just by standing with David, you could have gotten killed and that's it. No father, no husband in the home. But you still stood, trusting in God, having that confidence, even though I'm going to stand as a single person next to my king. God is with my king and God is with me because I'm with my king. The faith carried him. God said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I called David. I placed him over this land. And I sent him to this battle. And you are standing with him because you trust me and you trust my power. God proved himself strong and mighty. I want to close this night with a scripture that the Spirit of God is bringing to me here. God is there to show himself strong on behalf of 
those whose hearts are loyal towards him. His eyes just scanned throughout. He was scanning that battleground that day, many times. Every time the children of Israel fled, his eyes were looking who's faithful, who's faithful. And every man who was faithful, he said, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to give him the mighty victory. I'm going to honor him. He who honors me, him will my father honor. This honor is not simply I honor God, I honor God. Honoring is laying down our lives. That means not just say, well, I'll give up my life for Jesus. Every day in your day-to-day life. How diligent are you? How diligent are you? What are your priorities? How faithful are you? Are you where the king is? How faithful are you to the call of God? You know your place in the house of God. You know your place in what God is calling. How diligent are you? God is speaking to our hearts today. How diligent are you in recovering that which is lost? How diligent are you? Are you scattered? In your own personal life, in your family, whatever you may be facing, how diligent are you? If you want to see the prophecies and the promises of God fully come to pass, in its glory and in all fullness, you should be like the Eliezer, standing there until the very end. You should, you should be like these mighty men of God, faithful men of God, who will be there in the battlefield, not getting scattered. Oh, thunder came, lightning came, and oh, you know what, enemies came, and so I ran. God is not interested in any of your excuses. God is not. God is looking for faithful people. God is looking for faithful people. You can't be faithful to God unless you have faith in God. Like I said, there are different degrees of faith. People have faith to enlist themselves and then even come to the battlefield. But how long are you going to stay? God sees all of it. And the Spirit of God says, according to that, I will honor. According to that, I will reward. According to that, you shall recover. Shall we pray? Father, thank you, Lord, for this time that you gave to us in the presence of the Most High God. As you bear witness to this word that you gave, that this word came suddenly from the mouth of God Almighty, to the spirit of your servant and through the mouth of your mouthpiece. Carrying your heart that you placed before your people. I pray that this word that you have given to your people, these two passages that you have spoken from this night, May it continue to work in the hearts of your people, imparting life, driving out death, causing them to grow all the more closer towards the living God. Bless each and every single one here, Lord. I pray that your hand may rest upon them. And the ultimate blessing is to make this word that you're given truly alive in their spirits. But not a word that you have spoken, Lord, be lost in the name of Jesus. As you spoke to me so clearly, showed me so clearly to convey to your people through the prophecy. The water that you give, may they value it and not spill it, not lose it. Not lose even a cup. May their pots be full, Lord. May they be careful in taking it. May they be careful in putting it to good use. 
what you're giving to them is eternal and it's precious and priceless because it's the word of God that you give to each and every single one during every meeting. I pray that this word may cause your people to become everything that you've called them to be. And with this blessing as your servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people, that they may flourish before you. Before the years go by, they may do the will of the Father in heaven. They may stand before you each and every single day, having done your perfect will. For the Son of Man came to do the will of the Father. So may it be with each and every one here, O God. And I place this blessing upon your people. I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.